you know, recently they just remade a classic. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the West Side Story. Right? When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette till your last dying day. Isn't that dope? That is so cool. It's, it's, it's yeah. I, I honestly think that some things you shouldn't remake. I mean, it's just, it was so beautiful. And I don't care that Maria wasn't, Maria was as Puerto Rican as that piece of bread um, in the first one. But, uh, I'm so thrilled, right? You know what I love about musicals? I'm like a musical guy. I love musicals. What I love about musicals is that in musicals, they get the right idea. There are some things that can only be expressed. There are some emotions that go so, so deep that you can't even express them if, if you don't have a song. Like, the only way they can be expressed is through song. And so, you know this, right? Because, like, a lot of weddings that you go to, isn't this true? A lot of weddings that you go to? Okay, here's a question. You could shout this out. In your wedding, did you have a song, and what was it? In your wedding, did you have, or if it wasn't in your wedding, do you have a song for your marriage or relationship? What was it? A ribbon in the sky. Do you have one for your relationships? What? Um, right, right, right. I'm gonna right. Awesome. That's fantastic. Anyone else? Let's get married. Let's get married, right? You see, every one of us knows that we've been to weddings and we've and even after the prayers have gone on, and even after the good cheer has gone out, and even after the Bible has been read. It's just like, okay, okay. We just, and then what happens, right? The DJ says something like, well, you know, the, they're going to come up and dance to a, their song, right? I didn't have one uh, at our actual wedding, but if I would, and Liz, which one would you say is our song? Would you? You don't know? I would say it's Patti LaBelle's. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love you, love you, honey, I love you, I do. Yeah, it's a great song, right? Because there are some expressions. I remember my wife actually sung that to me one time. And it was just like real sweet. And it was just like, oh, you can't, there are certain things you simply can't express without song. Today we're going to look at a song that Mary wrote the lyrics to. And in the song, it's going to express such deep and powerful things about who God is and what he's done. Because God wants us to not just know that he's God, he wants us to be swept up in who he is. He deserves our songs of praise. He deserves our, our worship and celebration. And this Christmas, we want to focus on that. Now, as you know, we've been in a series. And in this series, it's called, um, And That's What Christmas is All About. Because every 
book you read in Christmas, every magazine you read in Christmas, every, every movie, every show you watch in Christmas, it all has that whole idea of like, you know, uh, and that's what, you know, at some point towards the end, they'll go, and that's what Christmas is all about. Well, we've been looking through the weeks, and, and this week, we've been landing on one phrase, and then we've been sort of expounding on it so that you could not only... Uh, uh, preach the gospel to yourself because the Christmas message is the gospel message. Preach the gospel to yourself to encourage your own heart, but also so that you might be able to share it with others. And today is going to be no different. Today, uh, our, our big idea is the God who saves is worthy of praise. The God who saves is worthy of praise. I was walking by um, a bar, and I was, I want to say, two blocks away from the bar. In fact, I heard screaming that was so loud that I thought that someone was being harmed. Like, I mean, I was looking down the street. I was like, whoa, that's like not normal. And I didn't see anything going on, and I kept on walking. And and then I heard it again. I was like, oh, something's happening. There's a... There's a sporting event that's taking place because everybody knows that it just, when you're excited about something, it just demands a declaration. It just demands an exaltation. It demands like that you just burst forth in shouts and cheers and songs. Today, we're going to look at Mary's song. Mary, in many ways, is like the first Christian. And this is the first Christmas song. And so, in our church, we have a, a history and a tradition of asking you to stand while we read God's word. This reminds us that God's word is, um, is worthy of our respect and our attention. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has spent the rich, has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Father, would you move deeply in our hearts to receive this beautiful lyric that Mary said and that we would have a song of our own in our hearts for you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. So, I'm going to give you five reasons that we have to sing uh, at Christmas. Five reasons that we have to sing 
at Christmas. And it's all found from Mary's song. The first one I want to show you is that God, and let's look at this. Reasons to sing at Christmas. God extends mercy to the guilty. God extends mercy to the guilty. Now, let's pause for a second because that's kind of stark, isn't it? You see, only those who recognize their need for mercy is mercy a gift worth singing about. That's, that's the gift of Christmas. The gift of Christmas doesn't come to those who are... Um, who think that they're perfect and everything is well. The gift of Christmas comes to those, the gift of Christmas comes to those who are in fact in need of mercy. Do you see it in verse 49? For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And then here's, for his mercy extends to those who fear him, right? So Mary starts her song with just these exaltations and reasons why she wants to celebrate and reasons why she wants to praise. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Listen, Mary is right God is mindful of us. And there's nothing that we've done to deserve it. There's nothing that we've done to merit it. It's the reason why Christmas is so glorious. The story of Christmas is that God comes to save sinners, of which you and I desperately need that salvation. Desperately. And so... The first thing we find out from Mary's song is that God extends mercy to the guilty. But doesn't that sound like bad news for some of you? Because some of you go, well, I'm not guilty. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't need God's bleeding charity. I don't need God's mercy. Many of us walk around with that idea. Many of us walk around with this idea that Christianity is here to make people moral. That it's an ethical code that if you follow, Jesus is an example to follow, not a savior to surrender to. And that's a mistake. That's just not true. Christianity is not just the ethical set of rules, although it does have ethics and it does have rules. What Christianity is, is a mercy from God to people who don't deserve it. Now, it, we're going to go, I can't take all the time just to focus in on that one point, but what I would say is if that strikes you as odd, would you continue coming back as we talk and unpack that? Because every week we unpack how God's mercy touches our lives, and it's just this multifaceted thing that we just dive deeper and deeper into. God extends mercy to the guilty. Celebrate that. Rejoice in that. Those of you who are guilty and know you are, rejoice in that. Feel that. Don't let that just be a point that you just go, oh, good. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. You know, for that 2 o'clock in the morning that you spent during that co- time you were in college. You know, that, that relationship that 
you don't want to share about because if you shared about, it would destroy the present relationship that you're in. You know, the, what you did with those finances that were a little bit underhanded, but you've, you, know, you managed to convince yourself that everybody else did it and so you did it. See, listen, the things that you're ashamed to share with me, God knows about you and he says, and he speaks mercy. Mercy over your life. But you go, I don't deserve it. Because I know mercy is made mercy because you don't deserve it. You go, but I didn't do anything to earn it. I know mercy is made mercy because you didn't do anything to earn it. It's mercy. It's given freely. It's a gift. And Mary sings about it. And it's a reason for us to sing about it as well. Secondly, God has power to protect the weak. Oh, this is so good. You see this in verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost being. God has power to protect the weak. I love the picture that it gives that God has a powerful arm to protect. He has a power. He's able. He's able in your marriage. He's able with your children. He's able in your health condition. This doesn't mean that we all get what we want. It doesn't mean that everyone wake up, every one of us wake up tomorrow with having hit the lottery. This doesn't mean that we all wake up tomorrow having the doctor tell us that, oh, cancer's gone. It doesn't mean that every marriage gets uh, spared uh, the destruction and the ravages that happen in some marriages. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that he's powerful enough to carry you through even the darkest moments, even the most difficult sorrows, even the most terrible depressions. God is able and he's powerful to be able to be with you, to help you to endure the dark nights of the soul when your heart is breaking and your tears won't stop and you feel all alone, God is able because his arm is mighty to protect. Mary sings about that and it's reason for us to sing too. Thirdly, God lifts the humble and brings down the proud. You see this in verse 52. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. I love that. You see, here's, the, here's what we need to know. You know how like we say that there are those who are in and then those who are out? And, and we think that Christianity is the good people are in and the bad people are out. Like we tell ourselves or we hear from others that that's what Christianity is about. But that's not what Christianity is about. If there's an in and out, it works like this. The humble are in and the proud are out. Now this is important because you don't have to merit, earn, or do anything to be able to be good enough to merit God's favor. God gives favor in a lavish way. God gives kindness in a kind and merciful way. God lavishes his love on his people. 
It's not the good people that are in and the bad people that are out. It's the humble people who are in. Those who recognize that they need God's work, need God's saving, need God's love and help and strength in their lives. You go, so here's a teacher. Let's, let's put some legs on that, right? So here's a school teacher. She's a first grade school teacher. And she does everything right. And she goes, I don't need God to, I don't even have sins. Doesn't even recognize that she has any sins. I'm a good person. This is where the Bible, listen, this is where the Bible is a scandal. There's this good teacher. And she goes, I don't need God. And she believes that for the rest of her life till she dies. And then here's a pedophile, a murderous pedophile. And he goes, I see how terrible I am. I desperately need salvation. I desperately need God's grace. The one, and he does that, and then and they die. And the one who gets the presence of God, the one who gets the heaven of God's presence, you go, it's the school teacher, right? No. But see, that's a scandal, isn't it? That's horrible. How could we believe it? See, but that's what makes Christianity so Radical. That's what makes Christmas so crazy. It's not the school teachers are in and the pedophiles are out. It's that the humble are in and the proud are out. That it's not, you can't earn your way to salvation. The Bible says this. The Bible says that our works the things that we do, the good things that we do, crossing little old ladies across the street, you know, helping our friends move, the kindest thing I've ever seen anybody do, helping their friend move, right? It's like you can barely find a friend when you want to move, right? If, like, you got a friend that helps you move, like, keep that friend, right? Kindest thing, kindest, most wonderful thing you can do, right? Listen to me. It's not. It's the humble. It's the ones who recognize that they don't deserve God's favor. The reason that we sort of, does that like lift something in you that says, ah, I don't like that. Are you telling me that I could go back to smoking crack and doing heroin and, you know, robbing and stealing and I could go to heaven? Listen, if you have so little light of God's grace that you want to go. If you have so little view of God's glory that me saying that your relationship with God doesn't depend on your goodness, but rather his mercy. If you would, if you want, if it makes you want to go back to a lifestyle or live in a way that you go, well, then I would just suggest that you don't know the mercy of God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? And I've done this with my wife. I've said, hey, I'm never going to leave you. I was like, I've, I've bolted the, the, you know, the back door. I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay. And so we've been together for 30 years. And in those 30 years, you have to know that it hasn't always been easy. You got to know that there were not whole weeks or months, but whole years. Whole years where we didn't like each other very much. 
where we barely tolerated each other. And yet, we go, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to be led by my emotions in this relationship. I am going to stay with you. Would you imagine, what kind of response do you think that that would be from a spouse? What if my spouse, what if my wife said, oh, you're not going to leave me? Well, let's test that theory. Let's see how far that you'll take that. Go into a little black book and go, oh, look at this. Geraldo still has his old number. I think I'll give him a call. Could you imagine? That would be unbelievable. You know why that would be devastating? That would be devastating is because she's receiving a love that I am giving in a way that it shouldn't be received. In fact, it's almost like an enemy would receive it. You would almost prove at that point that she never had love for me if that was her response. If your response to God's mercy on your life, if your response to God giving grace to the humble, but resisting the proud, right? Because that's what the scriptures say. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, fights, wrestles against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The reason that Christians can sing at Christmas is because we are not loved because we deserve it. We are loved because he pursues us. We don't deserve it, but we receive it anyway. Fourthly, God has fed the hungry. I love that. Do you see that in verse 52? He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. I love this. Why? Because what the Bible is doing is it's flipping uh, the world on its head. It's going, oh, listen, listen. Do you think that because you lack that God has forgotten you? Do you think that because you're poor, God has turned his back on you? No, God is pursuing you. And God will provide. He feeds the hungry. He provides what we need. For, for you who are struggling with alcohol, God can calm your nerves and give peace to your life without alcohol. For those of you who are worry warts, and you don't think you're a worry wart, but if you ask anybody around you, they'll go, oh, you're a worry wart. God gives calm and peace to those who are anxious. God gives us what we need. He feeds the hungry. What are you hungry for? I need escape from this addiction. I need help with this difficult circumstance. I need strength for this moment that I'm weak. God gives all that you need for all that you'll go through. God has fed the hungry. And then finally, we'll look at this. God, has rem- uh, God remembers the forgotten. Forgive the, uh, God remembers the forgotten. God remembers the forgotten. And so I just want to remind you, those of here, those of you here, and I don't care where you come from, if you're homeless, I don't care if you're struggling with mental health, I don't care if your body's breaking down on you, I don't care if everyone has left you, God remembers you. God will never forget you. And God will stay with you till the end. So, 
Here's five reasons to sing at Christmas. God extends mercy to the guilty. He has power to protect the weak. He lifts the humble and brings down the proud. He has fed the hungry and has remembered and, and remembers the forgotten. Why did we share this? Why did we talk about this today? For two, there's two kinds of people that I want to share this today. Okay? And I want you to, there's a group of you that I just want you to meditate on this. And there's another group of you. So it's one of, a group is for meditation. The other group is for invitation. Okay. Let me do meditation first. For those of you who know this already, would you just, would you just think about these things till the hairs on your arms stand up? Would you think about this till your heart is filled with joy and satisfaction in Jesus and not trying to keep up with the gifts of others or the appearances of others? Would you just meditate on this till it stirs you that it doesn't matter? Like you, you care about your career, but your career is not your identity. You care about your health, but your health is not your identity. Jesus is your identity. You care about the way this circumstance is going to end, but that's not your identity. Jesus is your identity. You care about your resources, but your resources, your finances, that's not your identity. Jesus is your identity. Where you walk and you go, I am with Christ. And Christ is in me. And if the whole world hates me, Christ has love for me. The whole world has abandoned me, but Christ will never leave nor forsake. The whole world has turned his back on me, but Christ turns his face towards me. I want you to meditate on what we just learned. Meditation. As the, as the band comes up. I also, there's another group of you. And it's invitation. I want to both for those of you who are in the sort of meditation aspect of this, where you're trying to deepen this truth in your hearts, I want you to just, there are people in your lives that you can invite into this glorious and beautiful sacred romance with God this Christmas. You can share with them. You can, you can speak to them. You can invite them to next week's service. Next week is our Christmas service before the New Year's Eve service. That Sunday we're going to have a Christmas service it's going to be wonderful, a wonderful opportunity for you to invite your friends. It's a wonderful, don't you have three or four people, especially during this time, during this time of school shootings? I mean, just what, yesterday? It was like a tornado or a hurricane that absolutely ravaged through communities. And like, I mean, it's in the triple digits now, the people who have died from it. It's awful. Listen. The whole world is in desperate need of hope. The hope that you and I have found in Christ. You have friends. Don't wait for their nightmare to happen. Don't wait for their 9-11 to happen. Don't wait for their, their tsunami to happen. Share with them Jesus now and so but not only is this an invitation for the people that you know this might be an invitation for you what's keeping you from coming to Christ now in just a minute or two I'm going to invite you to stand to receive Christ that is that you would 
make a declaration by saying, I am going to stand and say, I want to receive Christ. And here's what I mean. The Bible in a nutshell is simply this. And boy, this is, this is a great Christmas message, but it'll offend you first. Truth will set you free, but it'll make you mad first. Here's the Bible in a nutshell. You are worse than you think. Me too. I'm the worst person in this room. Believe me, I have evidence to prove it. You are worse than you think, but more loved than you can ever imagine. God is not like a first date where you have to make sure that you smell right and look right. And God is, God is like a mom who wakes you up in the morning. Honey, come on, it's a new day. Receiving you right where you are. God's like that. Beloved, don't say no to that. You're worse than you think, but more loved than you can imagine. There's no need to hide. There's no need to dress up. There's no need to disguise. There's no need to fake. There's no need to put on masks. We get God. He pursues us even in our mess, even in our grimy, even in our ugly. God pursues us. And he's worthy. So what does that mean? Well, it's as easy as walking in Christ is as easy as A, B, and then plus C, right? So it's like A, B are essentials, and then you get to this third one when you do A, B. One is that you receive Christ, you, you admit, A, B, C, A, admit, admit, admit that God is right about you. You're a sinner. Me too. And that there's no excuse you go, yeah, you know, I've lied. Yeah, you know, I've taken things that don't belong to me. Yeah, you know, I've lived my life without even thinking so much about what God thinks, but I pretty much lived my life in a self-centered way about what pleases me. And I've proved, you know, I've made myself believe, no, I'm so generous. I live for everyone else. But when they don't act the way I want them to, I lose my mind. Because in the essence, I, I serve and I act like this towards everyone so that everyone could respond to me the way I want. No, 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 no. I'm a sinner. That's not the way we think. A, admit that I'm a sinner. B, believe that Jesus has paid the price for your sin. That on the cross, Jesus has paid the price for your sin. You do recognize, and we'll talk more about this next week, but you do recognize that Good Friday was the whole reason for Christmas. That Good Friday, that him on the cross is the whole reason for the birth. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Christ has died for you. And then if you do that, if you A, admit and B, believe, what you'll want to do is you'll want to live in community. That's C, community. Live in community. We get to do this together. Oh my gosh, are you struggling with lust? Me too. Let's do this together. Oh man, are you struggling with alcohol? Me too. Let's do this together. Oh man, are you struggling with faithfulness in your marriage? Me too. Let's do this together. Are you struggling with loving those who have harmed you? Me too. 
Let's do this together. We do it in community. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus has paid the penalty for your sins. And commit to living in community together.